Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Amen. Somebody just give God some praise in the house this morning. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in the house. We thank you for your presence in the house this morning, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm, My goodness. It feels good to be in the presence of God this morning. Amen. And to know that you are not alone, but that you've got the Lord on your side and by your side. Anybody confident in that one thing? That as long as God is with me, as long as I've got Jesus on my side, everything that comes against me is going to be all right. My God, my God, my God, amen. It feels good, as I said before, to be in the presence of God, and it feels good to be in Hartsville, Alabama this morning, amen, with with so many friends. If I started naming friends, I would get in trouble, I tell you. It's so so good to, I will name one set of friends, though, Um, Brother Wesley and Sister Lindsay. I don't know where they are, but it is so good to be with them. And um, I appreciate the confidence that your pastor has put in me uh, to deliver the word of the Lord in his church, in his pulpit, in his absence. Amen. And so uh, let's go to John chapter 5, and we'll begin reading at verse number 1, and we'll, we'll read through verse number 6. John chapter 5 and verse 1, and while you're turning there, I want to say what an absolute honor it is to have my wife with me. Amen. Y'all give her a hand. Amen. Amen. That's that's my favorite sidekick. And I tell you, I it's good to have a wife that is a prayer warrior. And I say this everywhere I go, but I mean it from the absolute bottom of my heart. It is good to have a prayer warrior that will pray with you, pray through and lay hands on you sometimes if she needs to, but amen. (laughs) Amen. It's so good to have a beautiful wife that is a prayer warrior. John chapter 5. Everybody ready? Y'all ready? I will tell you I am not a long-winded preacher, so it is is 1134. I am not a long-winded preacher, so everybody just go ahead and jump on right now because we're getting ready to go. Amen. But I believe that God has something very specific that he has spoken into my spirit, and I pray that you would receive it today. John chapter 5 and verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. Everybody say Bethesda. Having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving 
of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And I want to speak to us on this subject today for a few moments. Just another day at the pool. Just another day at the pool. Anybody, sometimes you just kind of walk into the church house and you, you feel like it's, it's just another day. It's just, just another day that I'm coming into the house of God and we kind of go through the motions and we go through the regular things that we're going through and, and we just show up and, and it's just another day. But I believe that today is going to be different. I said I believe that today is going to be different. Amen, amen. So if you'll put your Bibles down and if you'll raise your hands and pray with me and ask that the Lord would speak to you and speak a word to your heart and your life right where you are. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would let your word go forth with power, authority, and anointing, and that you would break and destroy every yoke, Almighty God, that is in this place that is represented right now, and that you would release the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation in this place today, O oh God, and that you would do exactly what you want to do. Will you release God to do exactly what he wants to do in your life right now? God, we release you, Jesus. We release you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Just another day at the pool. In our text, it's feast time in Jerusalem, and it's time for the Jews to begin a celebration. And most scholars believe that this feast was taking that was taking place was the feast of Purim and Purim was a particularly joyous occasion because it was the festival commemorating the survival of the Jews who had been marked by the Persian rulers and also we know this and it, it was his their death that they were being marked by and so these, these Persian rulers, they had, they had marked them to just erase them and evaporate them off of the scene of the earth. We know this story to be the story of Queen Esther. And in this, this festival, they would exchange gifts and, and they would have a celebratory meal. That sounds a little apostolic to me. I don't know about y'all, but have a little celebratory meal, and then they would go to the temple or they would go to the synagogue and they would recite the scroll of Esther. And while all of this celebrating and all of the festivities and everything was going on and all of the perfect people and all of the whole people were gathering at the temple, there was a, another group of people that were gathering not too far from the temple. These people were gathering, and the Bible calls these people the impotent folk. 
Not the important folk, but the impotent folk. And when you look this word up, you see that these are those that were unable to take effective action themselves. They were helpless and they were powerless people. And the reason why they were gathering in a separate place is because they had been excluded from the temple. They had been pushed outside of the temple and told that you are not welcome to come into the house of God. It was the Levitical law that addresses this in Leviticus chapter 21, beginning at verse number 18. And it says, for whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach a blind man or a lame or he that hath a flat nose or anything superfluous or a man that, that is broken footed or broken handed or crooked back or a dwarf or that hath a blemish in his eye or be scurvy or scabbed or hath his stones broken. No man that hath a blemish of the seed of Aaron the priest shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He hath a blemish, he shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. And so from this passage we see that these people have been excluded from being involved in serving in the house of God. They have been excluded and banned from being involved in working in the church. My God. And so Leviticus covers this, but it's in 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 8 that begins to exclude the impotent people out of the entire church that they could not even walk into the walls or the doors of the house of God. There were the Jebusites that were living in the land of Jerusalem at this time. And, and they, they are inhabiting this land and, and the Bible tells us that, that they got a little cocky and a little arrogant and David has just been made king over Israel. And so they decide to talk a little trash to King David. And David says, I want that land that you have. And so the Jebusites, they said, you know what? There's no way in the world that you're going to be able to possess this land. This fort is so strong. The walls are so strong that we'll have the blind and the lame be able to defend it. And you still will not even be able to enter into that land. And so this, this royally makes the, the King David so upset and he's so angry and in second samuel chapter 5 and 8 we see and david said on that day whosoever goeth getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of david's soul he shall be chief and captain wherefore they said the blind and the lame shall not come into the house and while all of the celebration is going on at the temple and there's a feast going on and giving of gifts and all of this stuff right across the road, if you will, there's, there's so much sorrow and so much pain because these people have been excluded. The impotent people have been excluded and banned from the house of God and they find themselves gathering at this pool. But it wasn't just any pool. This was a pool that had five 
porches and at a certain season an angel would show up to the pool and begin to trouble the waters and the first one that would step into that pool would receive their healing they would be made whole so this was not just some ordinary pool so they decided to give this pool a name and in the Hebrew tongue it was named the pool of Bethesda What Bethesda means is the house of mercy. Help me, Jesus. God forbid that we go back to living in the days where we're just a temple and we're not a house of mercy. God forbid that we go back to the days of excluding those that are bound, excluding those that are broken, excluding those that have got a tragic past, and those that are bound by sin, bound by alcohol, and bound by drugs, because such were some of you, but you were not excluded. You weren't excluded from the presence of God. And so, because of this feast, Jesus shows up to town, and it's on his way to visit the perfect people. It's on his way to visit the whole people that he decides, you know what, I'm going to take a stop, and I'm going to stop by that house of mercy. I'm going to stop by that place where those that are broken and are needing a touch from me, I'm going to stop by that place. And so he decides to to stop and and I believe there were a couple of things if you don't mind that that begin to draw him to that house of mercy and the first thing that drew him to that house of mercy was expectancy it was expectancy because you see the 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 angel would come by and he would trouble the waters and the bible said that the first one that entered into the pool was the only one that was able to be healed and so you had to be ready. And I can see right now somebody is, they're sitting on the edge. They're, they're waiting, waiting for the waters to be troubled. I see it. I'm going to jump right in. Waiting in expectancy. It was a certain season that they would come, that the angel would come down and he would trouble those waters. And so they had to wait. Maybe it didn't happen the day before, and, and maybe it didn't happen the week before, but, but I'm still waiting in expectancy. I don't see something moving right now, but, but by faith, uh, I'm going to show up one more time. And I don't see it beginning to move right now, but I'm going to show up one more time uh, with, expectancy, with expectancy in my heart. I was... I got to be honest with y'all. I was I was in the prayer room and it was just a regular regular Sunday. And I begin to pray and frustration begin to start building up. Anybody have that those moments where you're in the prayer room and you're you're praying and frustration just begins to kind of build up in you because you're sick and tired of the normal. You're sick and tired of of just another day and just another service. And so I, 
I was in the prayer room, and I, I began to talk to God about it. I said, God, I'm so sick and tired of just showing up to church and, and being stuck behind the drums and, and worshiping you and feeling your presence, but, but nothing happening. I'm sick and tired of coming to church and, and just showing up and, and people say they feel God and they feel the touch of the Lord, but nothing changes. I'm sorry, I'm just being real with you. I'm being honest with you. And so as, as I'm walking back and forth, just, just pacing the floor, and I said, God, I'm just so frustrated. What, what is going on? And he began to speak this word to me in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. And he said, he dropped this word in my mind, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all. I, I said, God, I know that verse. I know that verse. What, what are you trying to say to me? Because you know, you know I'm, a, I'm a little bit slow, so you're just going to gonna have to show me what you're talking about. And he said, what are those words exceeding and abundantly above all? And I said, there some pretty good words in your word, I guess. I mean, I... I really don't know, where, I don't know where you're going with this. And, and he said, those are words of measurement to exceed and to do abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And I said, oh, okay, God, I, I, I see where you're going, but, but kind of take me there a little bit more. And, and he said, the reason why things are not happening is because my people are not showing up with expectation in their heart. You can show up with a need all you want to, but a need is not what's going to draw Jesus' attention. You can show up with pain in your body and brokenness in your soul, but that's not what's going to draw the attention of the Lord. But some faith and some expectancy in your heart and your spirit that says it doesn't matter that this is just another regular day. I've got to reach Jesus. I've got to touch the hem of his garment. You see, expectancy is not based on the disappointments of the past. But expectation is based upon the power of God to move in a particular situation. That's what it's based upon. It's not based upon your need. It's not based upon your past. It's not based upon what you've been through and, and how much you've built up. But it's based upon the power of God to move in your life. And that scripture said, he is able. It didn't put any precedence on what it was supposed to be. It just said he is able. Anybody believe that in the house today? Doesn't matter what you're facing. Doesn't matter what you're going through. He is able. And so all you need to get your miracle and all you need to get your breakthrough and all you need to get your blessing is for Jesus to show up in the house. And that's why the enemy wants to bind you up in worship services. And it says, uh, don't worry about lifting your hands. You don't have the energy. You don't, you don't feel like doing that today. It's just another regular day. You don't need to do this. But he knows that if you'll lift your hand up some kind of way and just begin to press through whatever it is that's holding you back and whatever is holding and binding you up, 
He knows that the word of God says that he will inhabit the praises of his people. So that means that he will show up in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your pain. He'll show up. Amen. And so the Bible says that getting back to the text in John chapter 5, we see that there is a certain man that has been bound by this infirmity for 38 years. Now, that seems like a really long time for me because that's my entire life and then some. Can I get a witness, anybody? That feels like an entirely long time. And so I, I don't know if he showed up to the pool every single day for 38 years expecting his healing or if it was just this particular day that he showed up. But whatever the case was, his need was there. His pain was there. His infirmity was there. But his faith was also there, and Jesus was there. That's all that was needed. That's all that was needed, and that's all that's needed in this house today. If you've got pain in your body, if you've got pain in your soul, all that's needed is for your pain, your faith, and Jesus. Somebody just worship him right now. Welcome him in this house. He's shown up in this place. It didn't matter how long he had been bound by that infirmity. It didn't matter how long he had been in that sickness. All that mattered was that he was there and that Jesus was there. And so the Bible says that Jesus sees him laying there, and just from looking at him, he could tell that he had been in this case for a long time. Just by looking at him. I know a lot of times we, we come into the house of God and, and we, we want to put on our perfect face and we want to put our best suit on and we want to put our best tie on and we want to have our best heels on and a best dress and, and, and we want to look the part. But deep down inside, Jesus is looking and he sees what you're really going through. He sees what you really are deep down inside that you may be hiding from everybody else, that you may be hiding from your friends and hiding from your loved ones. But he looks at you and he sees where you are. And so the Bible says that, that he, he comes to him and he just asks this simple question. Wilt thou be made whole. And the man's first response was a bit shocking to me. But then I began to realize that he had no idea who was standing in front of him. 
Because he said and said correctly, I have no man. I've been rejected. I've been excluded out of the house of God. I've been, I've been ostracized by everybody, and they won't even stay long enough, the people that, that carried me to the house of mercy. They won't even stay long enough to see if the waters are troubled to carry me in. And he said, I have no man to put me in. And he doesn't recognize who is standing in front of him. He doesn't understand that the creator of life is standing in front of him. He doesn't understand that the creator of his entire body was standing right in front of him. And all he had to do was say, yes, I'll be made whole. And I wonder sometimes how many times we come into the house of God and and, and we, we come to the altar, we feel the presence of God, but, we, but we're waiting for that certain person to come help us pray. And we're waiting on that certain person to come lay hands on us. And for that certain prophet to come by or for pastor to come by or for Brother Wesley to come by and lay hands on us. Uh, when all we've got to do uh, is raise our hands uh, and say, Jesus, uh, touch me. I have no man, but I've got Jesus. I have no friends, but as long as I've got Jesus. I have nobody to help me, but as long as I've got Jesus. And so, Jesus in his wisdom, he disregards the man's off-the-wall answer. And in verse number 8, Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. But it was the man's response to the word that caused him to be healed. It didn't matter at that point who it was that spoke the word to him. It didn't matter who it was that had walked up to him and said, will you be made whole? All he knew is that I've got a word and I'm going to act upon that word. And he looked up and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed. Immediately. He didn't wait around and see, hey. Bro, can you, can you kind of help me up? But the Bible says immediately he got up and acted in faith. Some of you, that's all Jesus is waiting for. He's already given you a word. He's already spoke to you in your heart and in your spirit. And all you've got to do is say, Jesus, I'm going to get up and I'm going to act on your word. I'm going to act on your promise. And so his faith has carried him to the pool day in and day out. It's carried him to show up to the house, but not just to show up, but to show up inspecting something to happen. And now his faith has carried him into action. 
It's not just another day at the pool. It's not just another day at the church house. It's not just another Sunday, but Jesus is in this house. And as long as Jesus is here, whatever need you have will be met. I feel doubt rising in the house, and I've got to address it. It's been so long since I've had this happen. I've been in pain for so long. I've been broken for so long. I don't know what's going to happen in my life. And, and doubt is just beginning to rise because I've shown up service after service, time after time, and nothing has happened. But not this Sunday. It's not just another day at the pool. It's not just another day in the house of God. But this is not just a temple, but it's the house of mercy. And in the house of mercy, Jesus will slap by and Jesus will heal. So we see Jesus has shown up in the house. And I'm afraid a lot of times that when Jesus shows up in the house, we think he shows up like we do. We show up sometimes, and I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend anybody, but a lot of times we show up out of tradition. We show up because it's Sunday, and I'm, I'm supposed to be in the house of God, but Jesus doesn't show up in the house like that. For we see in, in Deuteronomy, I believe it's, or no, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. I'm sorry I did not give this to the media beforehand, but God spoke this to me on the way. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, the Bible says that, Jesus, that God is talking to Moses. And the children of Israel are in captivity. They're in bondage. And God speaks to Moses and he's calling him and he's, and he's telling him, this is, this is what I want you to do and this is where I want you to go. But this is what he says. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. Very simple, but God sees right where you are. He sees exactly what you're going through. And he said, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. We don't serve a God that's blind that he can't see. And we don't serve a God that's deaf that he can't hear where you are. He says, for I know their sorrows. But in verse 8, he said, and I am come down. He said, and I am come down, but not just come down. I've come down to deliver. When God shows up in the house, he didn't show up just to look around, just to see who came to church, but he showed up to deliver somebody. He showed up to set somebody free. He showed up to break chains.
so Jesus is in this house. As we all stand all over the building, I don't know what kind of pain you're facing, and I don't know what you're going through in this house today, but I'm here to tell you that deliverance and healing is available. Us as apostolics have gotten comfortable, I believe, sometimes in, in just coming to church and just, just feeling good and feeling the presence of God and, and nobody being healed and nobody being delivered. But this is not just another day at the pool. If you've got expectation that God will touch you, then he will touch you. If you need healing in your body and you've got faith that he'll heal you, he will do it. I wonder if everybody can just come to the front right now. Everybody, anybody that's got a need, anybody that's got pain in your body, we serve a God that's a healer. Can I get a witness in the house? Can I get a witness in the house? We serve a God that is able to fill you with his spirit. Can I get a witness in the house? He's still doing it. He's still moving. Doesn't matter how long it's been. Doesn't matter how broken you've been. Doesn't matter what the situation is in your life. He is able to do it. So as we get ready to sing, why don't we just lift up our hands right now and begin to ask God, God, what is it that you're wanting to do in my life? You know the pain and you know the struggle. You know the heartache that I've been dealing with, God. And I need you right now to get in this situation and to touch my body, to touch my life, to touch my mind, to touch my emotions, whatever it is. Come on, lift up your voice all over this house. Show me one thing you can do. Show me. 